Welcome. You're listening to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. Each week, you'll hear powerful messages from our lead pastor, Dustin Dyke. Wherever you're listening, we pray this episode is a blessing to you. Here is Pastor Dustin. Well, let's move forward this morning into the message. Isn't it good to be with the family of God this morning? Amen. I truly hope that greeting time was encouraging to you as uh, it typically is for me. We continue to have new families visiting our church and we want you to know that you're welcome here. Uh, One of the things that I hear from our new families is that the people are just so nice here. And actually, that's one of the first things I noticed when uh, Hannah and I visited a few years back when we were interviewing here. And we're just so grateful that this is still the atmosphere. This is still the atmosphere around here. We love to visit We love to fellowship, we love to pray for each other, and we just encourage the idea that we are not church people, we are a church family, and we believe it only takes one visit for you to become a part of the family here at church. So, today we're finishing up our sermon series called I'm Listening. The first week we talked about a boy named Samuel who learned about listening to God, and last week we talked about Elijah listening to God as he heard the whisper of God. And this week, we're talking about a man named Nehemiah who listened to God. You're good, Kendra. Thank you so much. I think she's looking at me like, am I supposed to leave now? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, So if you would open up to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. We're going to be reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. And if you're coming to church today without much knowledge of the Bible, that's okay. We are glad that you're here today. We welcome you here. And to help you jumpstart into the Bible, you can use a few resources. One is the Bible app on your phone. You're going to see that icon on either the Play Store or the App Store. You can download that. That has the entire Bible and tons of different versions on it. So the Version Bible app. And then also a resource if you don't feel like pulling out your phone is the Pew Bibles right in front of you. Uh, to help you jumpstart into that, those Pew Bibles are going to, we're going to be on page 468 in these hymn, in these, I didn't, I almost said hymn books. No, we're not opening the hymn books. We're opening the Holy Bible this morning, right in front of you. So uh, you can go ahead and open up there to 468. For some of our seasoned saints, you're wondering, why is he saying the page number? Well, I just want to make sure that we're helping out everybody this morning, no matter what season of life you find yourself in, no matter how much experience you have in the Word, we want to help you out in a great way. So, page 468 in the Bible, and uh, later on as you progress in your faith, we'd love to show you even more. There's an index in the front where it lists all the books of the Bible, Uh, but to save you just a moment right now, page 468. Eight in those Bibles. So if you're more comfortable, oh, yep, I already talked about that. There's the Version Bible app, okay? So Nehemiah is who we're talking about this morning. Nehemiah. We named our son Nehemiah, and uh, he's two years old just as of a few weeks ago. And for those who are uh, regular here at our church, you understand that we have baby two on the way coming in February, and this is going to be a boy as well. So uh, it's going to be mama and her boys, <laughs> right? All three of them, right? And me being one of them probably is what she would say. Oh, my goodness. She's so fun. Hannah is an amazing woman, an amazing wife. Yesterday she said, you know, Dustin, if you weren't around, I'd be really sad, but I think my life would be a little easier. (laughs) I don't know how to take that. I don't know how to take that. I can be difficult at times. I know. I know. But we named our son Nehemiah because of the example you're going to see in here today. So if you would open up to Nehemiah chapter 1, he had a burden on his heart that led him to action. That's what I love about him so much. He was called by God to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. The wall around Jerusalem was a protection piece for the city against the armies that came against them. And uh, you don't have to open up to this section of scripture, but I just want to read to you little snippets out of 2 Kings chapter 25 verses 8 through 10. It says, in the fifth month on the 70th day of the month, 
On the seventh day of the month, all the army of the Chaldeans who were the captain of the guard broke down the walls around Jerusalem. Okay, so from this we understand, the reason I wanted to read this is because now we understand where and how the walls were laid to ruins in Jerusalem. This was a protection piece for Jerusalem that was torn down, and now they were at risk of having attacks on Jerusalem. Biblical illustrator commentary explains to us that when there were walls around a city back then, it fostered opportunity for people to accumulate land, to have cattle, and to do much more and feel safe. Without walls, people didn't want to do much or accumulate much or spend money on much because they weren't sure it would even be around for long because it could be destroyed. They didn't want their property overthrown. Who does? Additionally, where there were no walls around the city, there is no protection for the temple. No safe place for people to worship God and for God's name to be praised. Now, some men from Judah came to our fellow here, Nehemiah, and told him about the walls of Jerusalem being broken down and its gates being destroyed by fire. And here is Nehemiah's response. Oh, that was on the screen. Thanks, Pastor Scott. Like I say, I don't create those, but Pastor Scott put that last one on the screen. He's so great. Next verse. Nope, that is incorrect. Nehemiah 1.4. Here we go. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's Nehemiah's response to the walls being broken down. He heard of this awful thing happening, and he was so burdened by the fact that the walls were torn down that he wept, number one, and then he mourned for days. But here's the difference here. Nehemiah also continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah was at a point in his life where something so detrimental happened in Jerusalem that it broke his heart for the people who were not able to live in peace, and he was about to do something about it. But here is his continued response. I'd like to read his whole prayer out of here so that we get a glimpse into his heart. I believe that when you ask somebody to pray, you can get a glimpse into who they are, into their heart, and, and a lot of things about them. So I want to read Nehemiah 1, verses 5 through 11 this morning. This is what it says. It says this, And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, I was cupbearer to the king. So, about Nehemiah, he recognizes that the people of Israel have sinned and the walls of Jerusalem were torn down and he brings attention to the fact that God had redeemed Israel on many occasions and, put, and he put some focus on the past faithfulness of God. See, 
Nehemiah doesn't just get upset and react and sit in pity. He turns to God and prays to God in the midst of his situation. See, his heart so clearly comes through as we see why he's upset. He doesn't like that Israel had turned against God on so many occasions, and he was torn apart that the walls were torn down, so he prayed about it. So it's easy to be burdened by our problems, that we miss what God is trying to do in his overall plan. Isn't that the truth? It's easy to be burdened by our problems that we miss what God is trying to do in His overall plan for us and for mankind. So, yes, problems and trials do get us down from time to time. You saw Nehemiah's response to the wall being torn down. He wept and mourned for days. Sometimes we just need to cry. We have emotions that God gave us. And sometimes we just need to let it out. But we must turn to God with those feelings as well. I remember when I was in college and I was interning at a church. Something happened at church that day that made me very, very upset. Now, I can't even remember what that situation was now or why I was upset. I honestly can't remember. I didn't remember it as much as what happened next, okay? So I got mad. I got frustrated. I got back to college from church that afternoon. I didn't even think about dropping my stuff in my room or anything. I marched straight to an empty classroom, and I cried out to God in prayer. I cried out to God really in anger, too. Not that I was angry at God, but I was angry at my situation, so I brought all my feelings, pent up whatever, and I I brought it to God. I didn't even have words to say I was so upset. In my moment of not being able to find words, I turned to God. I put my focus on God, and I began to say the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name. I said, Jesus, I need you. I'm so upset right now. Jesus, I desire for you to come to my rescue. Jesus, I need you. And in that moment, all of a sudden, I was so overcome with the presence of God that I began to speak words that I had never spoken before that moment. It was a heavenly prayer language that was new to me, but the words came off my tongue like it was very natural. At our church, we believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the initial physical evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It's a very general thing with the Assemblies of God and for Pentecostals. I wasn't seeking to speak in tongues. Get that. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't begging God to speak in tongues. I was begging God for Jesus to do something in my life and bring me peace and bring me comfort, and without knowing the words to pray, I couldn't find one word to pray that was right. You ever been there? I just couldn't find the right word to pray. I didn't know why I was feeling what I was feeling, but I believe in that moment God gave me my heavenly prayer language. I began to speak in tongues and continue to use that prayer language even to this day throughout my prayer time. And when the topic of speaking in tongues is brought up, some people just get on edge so easy. They think it's weird, they think it don't make sense, and some just don't understand uh, what it all means or the significance of this gift that God freely gives to us. So in our church, one of the core doctrines is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to briefly talk about it. It comes from Acts chapter 2, but also many different places throughout the Bible. There's a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit at your conversion experience, because we believe that when you accept Christ... The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Ephesians 1.13 is up here. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So believers in Jesus have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That is 100% true. That's one experience with the Holy Spirit. One experience. The Holy Spirit is there to convict our hearts, to guide us in daily decisions, and to help us in life. And then separate from that experience with the Holy Spirit... 
is being filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. In the assemblies of God, we believe that speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of wordage, but what does that mean? We believe being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues is the first response, is the first natural response to that. That's what we understand from the book of Acts, and Luke talks about this, how the believers were together in the upper room, they were seeking Jesus, and began to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. This is what it says, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so they weren't being weird. They weren't being awkward and making people feel uncomfortable and speaking in tongues. They had no idea what speaking in tongues was. And I almost think it's a disservice to us at times because we know that about speaking in tongues. If you've been at our church for a while, we know, kind of understand about it. But I feel like there's such a focus on, oh, I got to speak in tongues, I got to speak in tongues to do this, and I got to, and that's just a distraction from the fact that we need to seek Jesus. When we seek Jesus, this is how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I think there's a misconception in today's day and age. When we seek to speak in tongues, I don't want us doing that. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We shouldn't be seeking to speak in tongues. We should be seeking Jesus, who is the giver of this amazing gift. When we do seek Jesus and when we do speak in tongues, we believe that this is the passageway, so to speak, in opening yourself up to whatever the Holy Spirit would want to do in and through you. It isn't some weird thing where if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're in some special club. That's not the idea here. We believe you can come to our church if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. We believe you can get to heaven without speaking in tongues. It's not a contingent thing. It's a gift that's freely offered, and it's there and available. Now, there's a few different kinds of speaking in tongues. One is the heavenly prayer language, like I just mentioned. Speaking in tongues for your personal prayer time, like we read about in Acts 2. The other time is to speak in tongues is in a public worship setting. Where someone speaks in tongues, or someone, else, and then someone else, uh, or that same person gives an interpretation here in church. If you've been at our church, you've heard that kind of thing too. Somebody will say a word that you have no idea what that means, or maybe you're also filled with the Holy Spirit, and the words don't make sense to anyone else except you, and you know exactly what that means, and you interpret it for the whole church to hear. This is the other time that you speak in tongues in a, a public setting. We see this out of 1 Corinthians 12. We believe that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit that, some, that God can use somebody in. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues boils down to this for you today. If you're not filled with the Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, I encourage you to seek Jesus and ask Him. Just a, a simple prayer like this. Jesus, if this is truly a gift you have for me, then fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Lord Jesus, I focus on you. I ask you if this is truly something that's legit and that guy up there on the platform is actually telling me the truth and the Bible is actually true about what this means, then Lord, fill me if you want and I'll be available to whatever you want for me. See, for Nehemiah, this was all going back to the fact that I turned to God in the midst of anger and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not always how it happens, but I was seeking Jesus I was seeking Jesus in this moment. For Nehemiah, he chose to turn to God in the midst of his battle, and it turned out for the good. Nehemiah 2 starts out by saying that Nehemiah went into the presence of the king because he was the cupbearer. This 
in and of itself tells us something significant about Nehemiah. Okay, as the cupbearer, every day he taste tested and drink tested everything that was being served to the king to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. If it was poisoned and then Nehemiah died, bummer for him, but then the king lived. He was the personal protector of the king. He was risking his life daily for the good of someone else. That just kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into who he is. Very serving type of individual. So as he goes in for his daily duties with the king, he not- the king notices that Nehemiah was sad. Nehemiah had never been sad before the king. He had never been sad before the king. And the king inquired to Nehemiah about it. The king said, what's going on, Nehemiah? You've never really been sad in here before. And Nehemiah told him about the situation with the walls of Jerusalem. He told him how awful it was about the, uh, how awful it was that the place of his father's graves lies in ruins and the gates were destroyed by fire. Nehemiah 2.4 says, Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So, I prayed to the God of heaven. I'm going to read that verse again. Nehemiah 2.4 Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? He says, So I prayed to the God of heaven. This verse right here, this is the verse that's get, that gets me out of this whole thing. It might look insignificant. Well, yeah, he just says he prayed to the God of heaven. But my wife Hannah and I, we named our son Nehemiah for this very verse right here. And let me tell you why. We prayed that our son Nehemiah would see things that needed to change in this world and that he would rely on the Spirit of God to empower him to get the job done. We prayed a very specific prayer about our boy. Ever since he was conceived in the womb, I put my hand over Hannah's stomach and I prayed for that little boy that that he would be a man of God, that he would serve God with all of his heart, and that he would be convicted by these things that are happening in this world. He would see the change that needed to happen and the Lord would empower him to do it and to be the one to help get the job done. Very specific prayer. We prayed that Nehemiah would have a tender heart before the Lord. We prayed that Nehemiah would care about the needs of others, and we see him doing that already. I talked to you uh, earlier about Benny McCullough having knee replacement surgery this last Wednesday, and he's doing well in his recovery. On Tuesday morning, Nehemiah and Hannah and I were praying before dinner, and I usually start out by praying, and I asked Nehemiah who he wants to pray for. And he said, Benny, Nini, Benny, Nini. So we prayed for Benny's knee, that uh, God would uh, do an amazing thing in the, in the surgery and everything. And we prayed for that, but he cares so much for people. I've mentioned before that Nehemiah prays daily for different people in church. He prays that Dennis Summers' kidneys would be healed 100%. He'll often say, Nehemiah will say, Denny, kidney, every single day. He cares so much about people and what they're going through. So listen to this part about Nehemiah in the Bible. The king asked Nehemiah what he was requesting about the walls of Jerusalem, and this is what this verse says, that Nehemiah prayed to God about it. Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven. Now, wait a second. Nehemiah already knew what he wanted to do. If he could have it his way, he would just go rebuild those walls of Jerusalem somehow right now. He knew what he wanted to do. But instead of acting out of emotion, instead of functioning out of his feelings, instead of functioning out of what he in his own heart wanted to do, he prayed again, he prayed again to God just to make sure that this was the right decision to inquire to the king about going to rebuild it. This right here is what we want for our boy, what we want for our son. And we also desire to have that for ourselves as well, that we would not act out of emotion, 
We would not act out of fear, but we would act out of prayer after seeking God, then making a decision. What a commitment that Nehemiah had to God here. Once he prayed, he felt God give him the go-ahead. And right there in the next verse in Nehemiah 2.5, it says, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. So Nehemiah was then granted permission by the king to go and rebuild, and God allowed him to do this. It was a project that got done in 52 days. 52 days. Record time, especially back then, for a huge wall to be built. There was so much opposition to Nehemiah about doing the job that God called him to do, and we could go into that, but I don't feel like that's where God wants us to focus today. There was so much opposition, but God gave him the power to do it. He was able to complete the job that came through the empowerment that God gave him. The sermon series is called I'm Listening. I'm Listening. It's all about this idea that we're listening to God because we need to hear from Him. Some might say, well, why do we need to hear from God? I've got my life figured out, right? I can do this. I've got my job. I've got my money. I've got my whatever, and you list and, and all that stuff. Well, to have an attitude like that communicates to God that you're not quite relying on Him for your sustenance in life. It communicates that you can figure out your life on your own. See, I find this interesting. When things are going really well in life, it seems like a natural response to forget about God. This happened with the Israelites. A lot. Let's say you get a bonus at work or a huge raise at work and you got so much money you don't know what to do with and your health is great and your job is amazing and your friends treat you well and your family's in perfect harmony and everything's going good. In those times, it's easy to say, all right, God, looks like I got this under control. Thanks, you know, I, thank God for money. Thank God for all this great stuff that I got. But, but what happens when tragedy hits? The moment when tragedy hits, something happens that sometimes, more than often than not, will make us turn right back to God. Okay? Let's say you lose all your money. Let's say you lose family, which is so awful to go through, and you lose friends, and your job is taken from under you, and all this kind of stuff happens. What do we do then? Where is our faith in God? Right? I believe this is what happened with the Israelites so often. Things were going good, everything worked out, so they turned against God and worshipped other gods and worshipped, worshipped idols. They engaged in sin, they did wrong things, and why not? Everything was going so well in life. But what the Israelites forgot is that God, when there were good things happening, it was God that was giving them those blessings and allowed for those great times to happen. God was protecting them from sickness. God was giving them the financial prosperity. God was allowing peace in their family and friendship relationships. But since they didn't see it as that, they turned from God. Church, we should be listening to God when things are going well. We should be thanking God for the things that are happening that are good. And we should also be listening to God and thanking Him for His faithfulness even when tragedy strikes. So are you listening to God? Are we listening to God today? Kendra, could you come back up to the piano again? Thank you so much. Today, the question is, are you listening to God? Not just hearing Him, like we talked about, not just to hear Him, but listening and following through with what He's speaking to you. Are you listening? My prayer is that we can say to God, I'm listening. Most amazing thing that God ever spoke to mankind, I encourage you to listen to this this morning was the fact that he loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the, 
the cross for our sins. Humanity's broken. It's the truth. Without Christ, you're a broken individual that's completely helpless. I am too. We each needed a Savior. To live a new life in Christ and to go to heaven when we die, we must serve Jesus Christ with all of our hearts. Today, the opportunity is presented to you. We unashamedly stress this every week. Jesus wants relationship with you. John 14, 6 says that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through Jesus. So today, do you want that relationship? Do you want to begin that relationship? Today, we're going to give you an opportunity to accept Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you've come to church today and you just feel dirty. You feel unclean. You feel unworthy. You just feel incomplete. You feel like you've been going after tons of things in your life that just aren't completely satisfying you and you're just wondering, what is that actually going to be? What's that thing in life going to be that ultimately satisfies my heart and my longing soul? You can strive after the things of this world all your life and find that you won't be content with anything until you find Jesus. I strived after things of this world as well. And I found out that Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy my longing soul. So today, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And if that's you today and you want to make a first-time commitment or a recommitment of your life to Jesus, would you simply raise your hand in this place? Is there anyone who'd like to do that this morning? We're not going to have you walk up here today. We're just simply going to have you raise your hand if you desire to make that commitment today. This just gives you the opportunity to make the greatest and best decision that you've ever made. Is there anyone who wants to make that commitment? Just simply put your hand up and you can put it right back down today. God is moving in this place. God is moving in this place. I did see some hands this morning, so I encourage us as a church together to pray and encourage those making this commitment today. Would you all pray with me together, including those who raised their hands? Say, Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. Help me to turn from my sin and live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you celebrate this morning with those who gave their hearts to the Lord? For those who have made this commitment this morning, your journey does not end here. Your journey does not end in here. There is some next steps that we have for you in this journey, and we want you uh, to give you, we want to give you some resources that will help you in your relationship with the Lord. So please stop and see myself and Hannah before you leave, or somebody that has those, because truly we believe that this is the best decision you could ever make, and that there is more steps from here. But also, as we close today, I'd like to take some time to listen to God. Kendra's going to continue to play softly on the piano, but just the same as last week, Kendra, I'm going to ask that you just play background stuff and not a specific song because I don't want us to be distracted with a beautiful worship song. I want us to hear from God this morning. I mean, I believe that if we're hearing a song, we might sing along or whatever, but in this moment, I just really feel like God wants us to really focus in on Him and listen to God. It might be weird to sit there in silence, 
but I encourage you, would you try it with me this morning? Just, just to sit in silence for a few moments and listen, focus in on what God might be saying to you. And if you'd like to, use the notepads on the pew in front of you or use a cell phone or something like that to help you as you write down maybe what God is speaking to your heart because we believe that God wants to speak to us today. Let's just take a few moments. Let's take a few moments and spend time listening to God. You can come up to the altars if you want. You can stand up. You can walk around. God is moving this morning. Let's listen. Thank you for listening to the Byesville Assembly of God podcast. To connect with us, visit our website at buysvilleag.org or connect with our Byesville Assembly of God Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at buysvilleag. If this podcast was a blessing, please leave us a review, follow us, and share this podcast with others. Have a blessed week.